Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. It's Nick here, and welcome to this week's episode of Scale Up Your Business. So this week, I am bringing two guests onto the show. I've got Amy Rowlandson and Dan Hulbert, and they have a business together called The Property Vault Group. And what they do is they help property professionals with opportunities to network, educate, and collaborate. So really, really deep strong domain expertise in property and property investment. But that's not the reason I want to bring them on to the show. I actually met Amy and Dan um, as part of a mastermind group that we are both in. And really what I wanted to get into today was, I suppose, the importance of actually changing your environment and changing your peer group. So, you know, these guys, we have a very, very similar view on business and life but obviously our areas of focus are different. So this is not really a typical episode where we're gonna get deep into them as entrepreneurs. We, we definitely cover that. It's more about you know, what does it mean to start to change your environment and what can you learn from the conversation that we have today that's gonna to help you in terms of thinking about you know, what you can do to get mentors around you to help you grow, develop, and, and scale what you're doing. So just a little bit of quick information about Amy and Dan. So Dan first, he's a property investor, mentor, building consultant, 15 years in the industry, started off as a builder himself, uh, an absolute character. When we were sitting around, A, recording the episode, but also in the mastermind, you know, he's got a, a huge personality, so you have a lot of fun listening to him today. And Amy, his business partner, 13 years as a residential landlord, heaps of experience identifying investment properties, lots of refurbishment, um, does heaps of stuff now as a trainer, a coach, a mentor, and you know, really helps investors in that niche achieve clarity and focus in their professional and personal lives. So really interesting couple of guests today. I'm absolutely thrilled to have both um, Dan and Amy on Scale Up Your Business. So without further ado, welcome to the show. So, how are we guys? Yeah, good man. Yeah, awesome. brilliant. So a bit of context then. So we're, I'm sitting here today with Amy and Dan. And basically, these are guys who are on a similar journey to what I've been going on with scaling my own business over the last few years. Yeah. And one of the things I talk about quite a lot, um, obviously, on the episodes is that you've got to have a strong network, strong peers, and just getting together and bouncing off ideas is a massive thing. So that's what we're doing here today. Yeah, it's been a, it's been interesting how it's come together, really, and the collaborations. It's been really cool. Love it. Well, we spent the last six months on a, a mutual mastermind and discovering different things about social media, marketing, and just yeah, general business development, and, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, it's been cool. I mean, I've, I've found, and there's actually plenty of examples of this, even recent examples, that you kind of surround yourself and you change your environment and you kind of just have conversations with people, particularly, as I said, on the same journey or trying to have to do the same things, and you just get so much out of it. Yeah. You know, you've got to have that. I always say you've got to have that as part of the time that you're spending, you know, in any given week or month yeah. so that you're learning things. 
And I found on this particular mastermind that there's been people that I would, wouldn't have actually met in any other sphere of business because they're doing a completely different business model. But they've added some really good value because they've come at various topics that we've raised mm. in a session from a completely different angle because they have no idea about property. So they just see it from their perspective and that's been really handy. Oh, having those different perspectives is, is a big it's a big bonus, definitely. Because like you say, you just don't know what they're seeing when you're saying something and then they're saying something in their business and you're like, actually, that could work quite well in our business, yeah. but just yeah. from a different angle. So, yeah, no, it's been, I think it's been really What do they say? You can't, really can't see the picture if you're still in the frame. Is, That's is right. I think the context the context for people listening today is, so we're doing actually a bit of a joint podcast. Yeah. So I think what we'll do is we'll introduce each other. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. everyone knows, everyone listening to Scale of Your Business knows who I am, but we'll do a quick intro. But um, Do you guys want to do an intro of yourself? Just tell everyone sure. what you're doing and then we can kind of get into some cool stuff so dan and i came together last year although we had met back in january 2017 and we've been spending some time together over various i helped him with some marketing stuff he helped me with some business um, property stuff floor plans and things and we just kept on talking and i actually wrote in my diary back in may 2017 it's 31st of may i said there's definitely some potential of us working together and then fast forward to last September and it actually happened. So. Which was That's cool. September 19, just for people that are listening well, to this. Well, September 18. 18, sorry, yeah, yeah, for people that are listening to this later. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was really good. But we have shared values and we come from the same perspective in terms of how we want to work and what we want to help people do. So we work for, with a company, it's the Property Vault. Dan founded it as a network event in April 2016. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. And we help investors unlock property knowledge. So we host a network event. And then this is why we had our podcast, which we set up back in May, just to just push out to a wider audience what we what we can help people do. Yeah, we, we, we've been through property trainings ourselves, through different, diff, both through different education companies. And there's obviously lots of other education companies out there. But one of the things that we wanted to sort of do slightly differently was sort of have that traditional mentor feel where you're going to someone for advice but not necessarily paying big bucks for it. But yeah, we cool. wanted to just get people in so we could teach them the right way to do things and not get that shiny penny and overwhelm. Um, so just coming from a very relatable, genuine place that to, to try and help people. And um, and I think that's coming coming across really well. I mean, that's massive, I think. I mean, I always say, and this is partly the reason why I set up Scalpy Business was about helping people without expectation. Is that there's a longer story behind that as to why, um, which comes down to, you know, I was, I was having high achievement in what I was doing beforehand, making good money from what my sort of corporate career was, but I had no fulfillment. Mm. Yeah. And then I, I got some coaching. And I realized that if I, unless I was going to start to contribute back in a way that I could from my experience, I was never going to be happy, really. And so that's when everything changed. And that's partly what spurred me doing the podcast as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little, our viewers about you? Ah, me. <laughs> yes, who's this, who's this random guy with how long, strange, how long we got? strange Australian accent? I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it um, oh, I thought it was Welsh. Uh, everyone says New Zealand or South African. <laughs> no. South African? Yeah. Um, so yeah, my podcast is Scale Up Your Business, um, and I launched that literally in well about six to eight months ago from now. But um, my background prior to that was going into businesses and doing turnarounds on behalf of private equity um, investors. So prior to that, I was in sort of corporate land and sort of got up to a reasonably high level sort of board director of, of sort of forty two fifty companies here in the UK, and then I went into the investment side. And I was never the guy who was going to be great at startup. 
So I did, I did do a couple of startups when I was younger, but it wasn't really where I got my energy from. There are better people who are more creative than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was the guy who would go in there and I could see the problem really, really quickly. So I, I spent literally a decade doing that, going to businesses, you know, having to make tough decisions, restructuring, but getting them optimized and performing. And that's a blend of commercial and, and as much as financial and the rest of it. And then um, I just I sort of pivoted away from that and just wanted to do it more for myself. And that's why I sort of wanted to kind of give back through the podcast. And now these days, um, I do a combination of things. I do my own investments. So I go and buy businesses myself and I, and I scale them up. And um, I offer mentoring to people who are struggling in their businesses, entrepreneurs and founders. And I also help coach them to create what I call capital events, which is when you sell your business, a bit like when you sell a house, right? So yeah. and you make a lot of money from that. So I, because I've done a few of those exits myself, I kind of hold their hand through the process, making sure that they don't get taken advantage of and, and obviously helping them to sort of grow their business through that process as well. That's brilliant. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's good fun. I enjoy it. And I think, you know, when you start to do stuff for yourself and you have a mission, so it's not a job, right? Yeah. You know, this idea that, you know, are you going to retire, Nick? Well, why would I retire? <laughs> I know, I couldn't think of anything worse. It's funny because I left uh, the sort of corporate world back in 2016 and then I started my own business with a property portfolio and scaled that up quite quickly and and then now it's just a slowing down of that just doing a couple of projects a year which is much more cool. easier than doing sort of five or six at a time and I really enjoy that because it gives me the time to do what I want I've got I've got 14 year old and 16 year old so I'm at home whenever I need to be with them and and just training my dog and that's what I want to do Fantastic. and help people which is a coaching side it's so. amazing it's like this, this thing I always say you know what, what do people want when you think about any business or any, even the property side what are they really trying to achieve and you, you talk around sort of building wealth and creating freedom freedom of choice to live life on your terms so I talk about that all the time and that's what people are actually seeking so if yeah. you think about that as the end game and we're all probably trying to do the same thing for our own businesses then you can sort of work that back so that it's not just about the end it's about the journey to make it that you enjoy that process yeah and that's what gives you the, the, the con- consistent happiness really because you're because you're you're doing what you want to do when you want to do it, yeah. but you've also got a target in mind, and the end's never the end anyway, because there's no. always something more. My um, my coach um, says to me, and I love this. I think it's quite powerful. It's not it's not about the goal, and it's not about the ambition. It's about who you need to become to achieve yeah, the goal. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Your, your identity. And yeah, one hundred percent. And who I've become over the last three years is absolutely incredible for me personally I don't care what everyone else thinks about it head's growing at the moment <laughs> just for the viewers um, awesome. no I just mean that in a sense that I would never have done the things or, or even imagine that I could do the things that I'm doing now three years ago I was actually quite a private person I do things in the background I've always helped out and volunteered and do things like that but I've never been centre stage and then just as we came gone I was standing centre stage in front of 250 people talking about property so I'm going to jump in with a perspective on that because I when you I, were there too I was there too <laughs> yeah, yeah. but but not because of me because I wanted to talk about Amy because when when we first met I was doing a keynote in front of about 100 people in London that's how we got talking and then she came to my network and then Last year, was it September yeah, last year? Yeah. Uh, so 18, 2018, uh, both of my speakers let me down for my network. Oh, wow. And I could not believe it. Like, so you're there on the, on the day? So yeah, yeah, on the day. And we had probably about 50, 40, 50 people booked in for this event. And um, so I just rang around to the network and I was doing a bit of a mastermind and Amy was part of that. And she was kind of helping me with it as well. And um, I just said, look, can, can you can, can, can you speak? And she's come back and said, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, awesome. And then I thought, well, I'll just jump in and do the other slot. 
Um, so we both ended up doing the slots and and then sort of presenting it together. And I was thinking, this is quite good. Like, and I, but I didn't go any further. So she was, went from never really speak. She's done a couple of keynotes, hadn't she? One, before, uh, one that. before that. And then a year later, to almost to the date, she's yeah. been talking in front of 250 people. Wow. That was really So was there, because uh, the question I have now is like, what did you do to get yourself to that position in your, work in your, with me there you go. It's, it's, Dan. <laughs> it's all Dan no, um, no. the mindset was, side of it I mean yeah. there's a bit here where that you... okay so in that the three year last three years I've read an incredible amount of books yeah hundreds of books uh, personal development business property and that is that yeah. like, you can't you can't argue with getting the knowledge from that but then it's applying it it's actually doing yeah. it writing a journal every day just seeing um where mm. where i i have been and, and reviewing that regularly has been an incredible process i'm now on day 1023 of my of, since writing my journal and it's wow. that's consistent cool since i started to do that and that was reading the miracle morning and saying yeah. well i'm going to follow this process because it works there are yeah it's funny there are playbooks i say on various things i mean i i my routines if you like are based on the miracle morning yeah. slightly adapted yeah most of the people that i work with in some of my other kind of networks are exactly mm. the same thing because it's yeah. nice it's a structure isn't it it's quite a simple structure it's great yeah, it's cathartic as well you're just writing about yourself and and what you're doing and the self-awareness from writing in a journal yeah. is it really enhances your self-awareness yeah writing in a journal Definitely. Like people think on the journal, it's, you know, but it's it's just putting your thoughts, your ideas, the, the shit that's happening, you know, whatever's going on in your life. But it really makes you reflect, in my opinion, it does. And it's helped me massively over the years. Yeah. I've been doing it for years. You know, one of the things I, I sort of say is you've got to get everything out of your head. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and that's why one of the things I do, similar to that, but I, I always say my morning routine starts in the evening. So I plan my day, always plan my day the night before. So I try and go to bed about 1030 um, try and get seven hours sleep if I can depending it's not always consistent because there's yeah. stuff going on but at about 9.30 I turn in if I'm watching TV or if I'm doing something that's a bit more kind of um, relaxing with my wife we'll stop at 9.30 get some tea herbal tea and then I'll prepare for the next day mm. you know and I find that then I go to bed nothing's in my head Yeah. anything that's stressful is kind of dealt with I've got a schedule yeah. sleep like a I'm, baby exactly <laughs> and if I don't do that yeah. I notice it yeah <laughs> sure so and and then it was it was just letting people know what I was doing and just getting myself out there networking a lot. Yeah, cool. And then it just evolved. Having done quite a few property projects, then I started getting asked to for people were asking me for help, and that evolved into the coaching. So I actually monetized it after a while, sort of after two or three years of not monetizing it. I finally decided. Yeah, I think someone. So told you were offering you. so it was free <laughs> free advice all the time, all the time, and so okay. and then and then I had someone Which saying, "What are you doing?" Mainly my husband but also Dan this is crazy you need to start charging so then I started charging for it and then it was a case of one lady in particular recommended me to Anne Wilson which was the conference we just spoke at and she rang me and had a chat on Skype because she lives in South Africa and she said yep yeah, want you to be part of the weekend and that was it and I said awesome. can I take Dan so what's the take through <laughs> so what the property vault as a, as a, as a business if you say what, yeah. are the, what are the components of it or the, or the various parts so, of it? so originally it was a network yeah. and, and, it, and that was built uh, I did that because of KPI. Yeah, what we were what, you, what we were talking about. So, so KPI for everyone listening yeah. is a program here. It's actually around the world now, but in the UK, it's run by a guy called Daniel Priestley. Yeah, um, and it's called Key Person of Influence. So I did that back in 2014-15, and in 16 is when because I originally wanted to set it up in 13 2013, but I just had too much going on and not enough support around mm. me. So yeah, 16 came along based off the back of that because I wanted to build a profile, be, yeah. be the key person of influence, be the builder 
with the knowledge, but also then the investors, the investors mindset. And then, um, but I kind of did it for two and a bit or two years, two and a bit years. And it was a bit like, well, I don't really see where this is going. And that's when I needed some more energy and a different dynamic. So I asked Amy to get involved. And then from that, I was always looking to do a podcast mainly around the building stuff originally. Okay. So that was what what my original idea was, talking about refurbs and building and uh, the construction industry. Um, and then, yeah, Amy and I just sort of sat down and we said, well, why are we not doing one for, for the podcast, uh, for the property stuff, for the uh, the property vault? And I was like, actually, that's a really good shout. So we sat down and had a chat about it. I was working with Rob Moore doing some of the podcast stuff, plus one of my best mates, uh, that launches people's podcasts for them and he does to to himself and he's he's got people like Grant Cardone on his podcast and all sorts of stuff so he's done really really well so we went from not really knowing much learned a bit and then within about a month we just boom done it yeah. we just got it out there we, we launched it we got in the top 10 on the on iTunes yeah. Um, and yeah now we're getting regular regular decent number downloads we're on this is this, you'll be episode mid 30s now yeah. so yeah, cool. you know we've, we've really sort of pushed it's it as you enjoy it I mean I love doing mine do you know what it goes back to that mastermind thing of, of you learn so much from talking we, we do it where we do uh, some just me and Amy we just talk about a subject uh, we do some where we interview or have a conversation like we are today and then we also um, repurpose our keynote talks from the property vault so we ask the speaker to say look we're going to record you put a mic on record you and then we'll repurpose that and stick that boat that out as a bonus track and they're obviously happy to do it because it gets them out to even more people so um, that's kind of the, the, the second arm to it and then the third arm was we we start launched some training this year and we're not about talking about a business model or a strategy like buy to lets or hmos which is house of multiple occupancy if anyone doesn't know what that is yeah. um we talk about the practical nuts and bolts of it so we we've got a system called the practical property system it's a six-phase system so we talk about the purpose we talk about the people which is really important how to spot potential then how to prep, which is 80% is in the prep, then procedure, then how to maximise your profit. So that's our little six So it's six a bolt-on pretty oh. much to every single property education company out there. It works on there. anything. It's a bridging the gap between everybody who's learning all the different business models and then they don't they get stuck about how to apply it. So, okay, so we, we fill that gap between people who who haven't started yeah. or want to scale up and have got hit some kind of plateau. And it's and it's and we, we hear it a lot from some of the big training providers where we've heard them say it that they teach they tell people what they want to hear to get them onto the training and then when they're on the training they teach them what they need to know but what's missing is they don't show them what to do that's the bit that we bridge so we take that, it that piece i think is missing across and most things i mean there's yeah. a, some of the personal development that i've done um which are, which is very much um experiential so you know you go away in, in, in a sort of live format for three or four days so there's some of the Tony Robbins stuff I've done and, mm. and it takes you to a different state now mm. everyone leaves that on fire literally in some cases because you do walk on fire yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, but then depending on what, what you sort of person you are um, and how driven you are and what your why is around everything you know a lot of people just give up pretty quickly it's a bit like um, the analogy I say is when people join the gym in January and then oh, by February March absolutely. the gym is empty yeah, yeah. So, so that's missing, I think. And a lot of people go out there and they invest in their education. And we talk more about the importance of that, I think. But um, they, they, they think that just by going to a course or signing up is enough. 
Yeah. But they miss the important step of action, you know, making it a habit, making it something that you do. It's that quick buck, quick buck mentality that we, unfortunately, I think society and social media has certainly pushed it more down that route. That they think everything is so quick. You know, I can become an Instagram influencer and yeah. make loads of money. And it and it just doesn't work. Like they, what they don't realise is they've got management behind them. They've got, you know, jump onto a programme like Bloody Love Island or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. get like, go from 100,000 to a million followers. And it's and that's the for me like where it gets lost because they feel like they don't like they don't have to take the action because it it's there. It should. It's be. crazy though when you think about because the investments. I mean, I I'll, I'll give you a bit of a story on what I did. So um, there was a point where when I was transitioning to what I do now from my sort of corporate gig, when I was yeah, I was feeling really unfulfilled right through that whole journey. And I wanted to go out there and do more. Um, I I had the choice at that point in time. I had enough cash to go and do an MBA, and of course in my corporate world and sort of you know being in that sort of PLC environment, there was a lot of advice that I should go and do that. Yeah. I've done business school stuff before, but not an MBA. And that was about 30 grand or more. So then I decided I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take that same money and I created a list. I created a personal development list and a, um, a professional development list. And then I structured it all out thinking, like, okay, what do I really like doing? What's the vision for what I'm creating? And then I, I looked, you know, got advice from some friends, but went out there and tried to find the best people that I thought could deliver the specific thing in each of those areas. And then I structured that over 18 months. And then what happened? So I, I did a lot of stuff, but everything had a purpose. And what I was very clear on is I was going to make take action on every single one. Yeah. And I didn't take action as quickly as I'd like. So the podcast is a great example. I actually did a course on it with Rob Moore mm-hmm. um, in October last year i didn't launch the podcast until march that's not that far away yeah it feels bad i don't give yourself a hard time on <laughs> no that. but it feels like you know but, but i procrastinated because like well, anything, that's a similar time to me actually because i think mine was about october that i originally did maybe november that i, that I joined the master class oh, no sorry the master class and then the mastermind that yeah I'd done because uh, i've got like a quarterly it's the quarterly mastermind right that's right yeah, he's yeah got that. so yes, exactly. um, but we didn't we we kicked ours off yeah, in the May, so we were a little, li- even a little bit longer than that. So, yeah, but the po- the point is, mate, is you've done it. No, I know, I know. Yeah. Sometimes, like you know, if, if you think about you, the sort of um, person you are, your psychology, I'm really bad at celebrating. You know, so yeah. you know, if I do something good, right? You know, I I I, I have to find the next thing, right? So, yeah. what's the next? I business? think we're all like that. <laughs> but I think that's, that's probably yeah, that's, that's probably why we're having the conversation. I think yeah. that's so when you, true. When you become, you know, before. Um, what was the term you used before we started our recording? Course junkie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's serial monogamous from one course to the other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, t- I definitely love learning. Learning, I think, I, am, I, would, I would say I'm an addict. But that's because you get that buzz. You get that ser- serotonin buzz of new information. And then I want to apply that new information. And I think that's the difference is I, I want to then make a success out of it. And you said about not celebrating. I'm... I almost forget about celebrating something that we've achieved because I'm so 100 miles an hour into the next one that I it's just like oh yeah that's great but what's not happening next so yeah, I keep yeah. that momentum going of or wanted to keep that momentum going I don't want it to be to stop but the fact that the fact that we're all just even doing something additional to you know, there's that, that saying, um, don't let schooling get in the way of your education yeah. I mean that's true. just so true I mean, when I heard that that's when I started learning, like started learning properly and actually doing things that I wanted to do. You know, KPI was one of the things that I just saw it and I was like, that is what I want to build. I want to build a personal brand, a profile. Yeah. So 
people can understand who I am and buy into me, not... Because my nan said it years ago. She said to me, when you go out to the world, you know, we were talking about selling stuff because I, I worked in retail for, 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 for a number of years before I went into the building industry. And we were always trying to sell products, you know, and it was mainly electrical equipment that I used to sell. And she always used to, used to say to me, um, you're not selling the, the jam or the TV, she said, you're selling you. So if you can work it that you, you're the one who they're buying into, the product's irrelevant. And I mean, she's 92 now, bless her, but she still says to me. That's, a great, that's, she's, but that's awesome. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I want to talk she to She says, sell the, don't sell the jam, she says to me. But it's funny where that got, I mean, I, one of the things I advise to most people I work with now is the is why a personal brand, because yeah. you've got trust, you've got authenticity, is actually going to be more powerful, particularly when there's so much noise out there versus a business brand. Because if you can go out there and you can actually genuinely build rapport through, through you know, social media is one vehicle for doing it, but speaking is another, you guys do that. Um, and you do it for the right reasons, you're going to get a connection with people in a way that a, a business brand struggles right. to do. And know? I think I think a lot of, I've been reading a lot about this like with millennials and stuff, they mm. don't, they're not buying into products. They're not, but it's not the product they're buying into, it's the people behind it and what it's about and yeah. what it stands for. That's what they're they're buying into so the product's kind of irrelevant really so yeah it's it's the it's the it's, it's the mission behind yeah, yeah. i mean i last week um so i had tom mercer found it really interesting tom mercer from uh, mama foods on my um on my podcast and he's he's, he's created a mission-led business it's all about you know creating good healthy food but the way he's done it he's got so much authenticity mm. that you know the branding for him is just the fact that he's telling a story yeah. you know, he, his passion comes through and he's not trying to do it for any other reason no. than that and that's one example but there are well, but that comes amazing. across though doesn't it it does come across so i think it does when people sell, sell i that saw way. an amazing pitch on dragon's den the other day and it was called war paint for men and it's male make- makeup for men and this guy has got the most incredible backstory and they had all four dragons fighting over really? him to the point where two of them ended up sort of no just no not <laughs> not literally fight but all, they all wanted it so badly in because he's got such a great story and he's the one that's driving the product and he's done incredibly well already that the two the two of them are ended up sort of going in together with him so that he got two dragons for the price of one Amazing, which is pretty cool and i believe yeah. that pro well dragon's den wouldn't it the first millionaire from it was levi roots that's right and they, they bought into him, not not the product. Well, it was absolutely. You know, playing his guitar and, you know, having all that love. I think and... he had that same advice. Was he shared the same nan as you? Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah no, but because we listened to his podcast with um, Rob Moore yeah. and on Disruptive Entrepreneur, and, and uh, he said the same thing. He said, don't, you're not selling the sauce, you're selling you. And I was like, oh, my God, that's what my nan says. So <laughs> it's quite go. funny. It's so obviously it's, good it's, advice. It's, but it's funny how it kind of gets misconstrued a little bit. So I, um, you kind of look out there now and there's, there's lots of, brands spending what I money on traditional marketing yeah, you know, and yeah. I see it with some of my clients that I work with they'll go and say oh yeah we're going to go and spend all this money on PPC and a great website and I go well hold on you know you need a great website for credibility but don't expect that that's going to be the thing that's going to sell your proposition you need mm. to go out there and engage and, and reach your audience in a more authentic yeah. way that might get you leads but it might get you leads but it won't necessarily get you customers if, <laughs> If you've got authenticity and you're adding value and you're doing that in a way which is consistent with what you're about and what mm. your business is about, you're not going to be needing to sell anything. No. You know, as I said, I yeah. found, you know, again, we were talking before we started recording. I found that, you know, even from doing the podcast, lots of people want to get in touch and, and want help. And I do that anyway without any expectation. I always like to offer that to people. But more importantly, you know, there are ones now that I'm, I'm starting to get very, very busy because people want me to work with them. And that wasn't necessarily the main intention of me doing it. It's been a byproduct of what is hours and hours of contribution mm. through the episodes. Yeah. 
you know? And so I sort of look at it in a strange way. I don't need to go and, you know, sell anything per se, but, you know, there's bits where now I'm starting to create more products off the back of what I'm doing because, to be frank, you know, the audience that I've now built the community are asking for them. Yeah. So I want to be able to offer that in a way that's going to be more congruent. That's, that's pretty much the way the way we're going with everything as well, because even with like we both do our own coaching one to one with with people, but you know even through my consultancy side, I've got a lot of experience in the building industry. I was going to say fifteen years, but Amy always tells me off. <laughs> fifteen years experience. I can't wait till it's sixteen. It's for a change. <laughs> it's been fifteen for the last 15. ten years. Okay, <laughs> but what I've started doing. Well, I mean, we've done. I've always done that whole 20 30 minute call just to like give a bit of advice and see where i can help and we do that as part of the property vault it's like look guys you're here tonight at the network whatever if you need any of our help just just give us a shout you know just drop us a line drop us a message and we'll do the best we can to 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 point you in the right direction and i've started doing that with people that one step further so i'll now start looking at projects that they've got and i'll just say look bring the project to me let's have a look at it what can we do with it and I'll mentor them from a from more from a, an advice point of view, and then I'll just look. There's a win win in it because they haven't got the experience or the know how what they're looking at, but they want to do deals. So I'll analyze them and budget them, and then I'll just say, look, what can we do? How can we work this? You do the deal, and I'll get some consultancy, or I'll take the deal and you get a fee, or whatever. So it's working together more in a traditional manner, but we're all winning. Yeah, and it's just having that genuine that's, that's the advice. Way it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, that, yeah. I, I think anyone who doesn't understand that, you know, um, they're going to struggle because yeah. I, I found so I, I work a lot in um, or have worked traditionally in technology businesses, so where there's some sort of um, VC venture capital or private equity investment. And what I found out recently, because I was talking to someone in the HR space, is that they're calling it technology overwhelm. So if you're, let's say, a HR director or a marketing director or whatever else, and mm. you've got to go and choose um, a technology platform for your business, there's so many platforms doing the same thing that you can't really draw a line between the uniqueness of the technology, right? Yeah. Someone told me the other day there's 700 registered startups a month in California. Wow. You know, and again, yeah. I don't know how many technology, but it's like a crazy number. Yeah, anyway, sure. so, so what do you do? So you're that person. You're not going to, you know, you can't choose the, the, the features and benefits. You're going to buy off the person you like the most or, yeah. or there's a referral and there's some sort of trust that's been built because yeah. you know, and that's going to be the difference. So I think that if that's the, what's happening at scale now anyway, then if people aren't taking advantage of that and building, you know, some type of personal brand associated with their business, they're going to be sound. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think from like? I mean, you're obviously a lot more experienced in business than 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 well, certainly me. I'm, I'm, I'm assume I would assume with Amy as well. But in regards, because we see it a lot, where you know, like the whole the local high street high street store, where you got the customer service and you got the relationship, you're buying from them because it's local, but also because you you know you're going to get a good service and that relationship moving forward. Do you think that's moving? Well, down that route, is that what you're saying? In regards I to think, like bigger businesses as well now? Because rather than that cold the, the concept of what you're saying in terms of the experience, and as I said, I've used the word a few times, authenticity yeah, exists. Yeah. I, I think people are still needing to get that through a digital vehicle though. So, mm-hmm. so Because one of the questions you could say is, well, will there be a, a pushback towards values where the high street comes back? You yeah, know, yeah. I, I don't think that will happen. I think... I think the experience that people have when they're you know, in these sort of digital commerce will have to have more personality to it. That's what I mean. It's not not necessarily going back to a physical uh, high street, no, but, no. but but having having that personal, that personal experience, that if personal at, connection. Yeah, if you look at um, I mean, some some of these companies do it really well. So the, the Amazon one, you know, it's probably an overused example, but 
of course, they outs- offshore and outsource their customer service, but you know that you can basically return anything on Amazon, mm. even if it's used these days. And you can't, oh yeah, there's never a problem. There's so. never, never a problem. And sometimes it can be like I, I had to send back a camera the other day, you know, because the package I thought was open, so I sent it back. I was not very happy about the whole thing. And I'm thinking, God, you know, anyone could just do that. And yeah. what are they doing with these things? You know, because yeah. they must their margins are so good anyway. Yeah. But that's the sort of to your point, slightly different. But I think that expectation that frictionless experience is what people are seeking i've done exactly the same thing i know it's amazon again but i've done exactly the same thing and even now they've like they've changed the way you send it back so you've got options now so you can actually go into a shop as long as it's listed and they'll have their own scanner and sticker machine and you go up to it with the QR code on your phone mm. and you put it under the scanner and it goes, spits it out and you stick it on and they stay, off it goes. Mm. I mean, that to me is awesome. I, I think that's that's really efficient and <laughs> nice, yeah. easy way of doing it. But I mean, that's you've got to have those systems and processes in place with big businesses like that. But I'm just thinking if you're looking at more of the smaller, smaller businesses and sort of medium-sized businesses, are they still needing to do you still think that that's going to be part of that and they're yeah, going to I need to be that human yeah i think every business uh, and i've i've got a really strong view on it. i think every business needs to have some degree of personality based on the business's values yeah. expressed clearly to get cut through yeah because otherwise you're just not going to get noticed there, there, there are extremes of this so there are bits where you can kind of you know use your your brand and your values to be really out there but that's more about the personality of the brand yeah. so i i always think that you've got to I also believe that you know lots of businesses have to have a mission behind them, yes. and everyone subscribes to it as well. Because yeah. if you haven't got a clear mission, you've got a lot of people all working just for the within their own role, but not with a bigger picture in mind. Yeah, and, mm. and people ask me, they say, "Well, what is scale up?" Right, and as a, as a definition, because I think it does. Yeah, that get... was a question we had. Damn you! Uh, okay, there we go. Well, let me help. Um, so where I where I sort of came up with obviously the name of the podcast, but also kind of what I've done for years was a. A kind of insight which was that people who start businesses are not necessarily the same people who can scale them and i'll yeah. kind of get into the definitions because the skill set and the mindset to scale was different now scale often means you've got to you've got to leverage you've got to have people brought into your business so you've suddenly got to start to create teams and culture and it also means that you've got to have partnerships and you can't do everything so the, the entrepreneur who's a bit of a creative control freak and there are some out there um they're the ones who struggle the most with scale because they have to trust yeah. people. Yeah, and I'm, I was, I'm exactly... And you're talking about the e-myth in, in certain terms. Of, then you've got the manager who comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And, then, yeah. You know, and, and the definition for me of like scale-up, and there's different levels of scale-up, yeah. it's going out of the phase where, you know, you're no longer, you know, the guy in the shed with, you know, one other person or maybe by yourself. You know, you, you're creating something i always say it's it's when you start to get over you know 10 to 15 employees you're starting to go into scale up and then it can go much higher yeah but it does start usually not with the size of the business it's not about the revenue it's about the complexity of communication lines as and well. the fact that you have to you have to bring people in yeah that's that's yeah. that's the main definition for me and once you learn how to do that effectively and leverage you know you can get to what i call the the ultimate which is to be the owner investor not the owner operator yeah which is where you have businesses that run like machines and then you can sit there and literally just be you know an owner of a business and have income coming in passive income to some extent yeah i don't think there's any such thing as passive income because you've always got to have some kind of input you've got to have some but one of one of my mentors has got 19 separate businesses 
Um, his personal income per year is in, well in the millions, and that's just the income, right? And he has GMs, CEOs, whatever, yeah. the titles are relevant, in the businesses, and he runs them all from spreadsheets and phone calls. That's amazing. So he goes out, so he's a clever guy, he's actually bought the businesses in cities around the world where he likes to go on holiday, and he'll huh. visit the businesses usually, depending on where they are, what they're doing, once every three to six months. So one you've, day. you've mentioned yeah, so several it's, times. It's, yeah. That's awesome. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but, it's but that's awesome. But you can do that. It's all possible, but you've got to build the infrastructure. But you've got to be that, 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 as you say, I think someone said to me once that there's there's the entrepreneur and then there's the, 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 the manager. Yeah. yeah, as you were saying in, in, in the email. And the technician. Yeah. But, but they're like the two main ones right at the beginning is you, you've got to have someone who's creative that can push it and be the front, but you've also got to have someone in the background just keeping it ticking over. I mean, when I had my first building company, I, I, I went from literally overdrawn to turning over like half a million quid in my first year on my own, just doing my own. Yeah. I was, but I was 100 miles an hour. My, my my USP was customer service in the building industry, which is not a heard of. So if there was ever a problem, I'd just take responsibility and get it done. Awesome. Whether That's it was my, my own cost or whatever. And the margins were always tight. But then I brought a partner in, which is a friend of a friend, and they were meant to be the manager so I could keep building stuff. And I put my trust in that. And the customer service just went... <clears throat> literally went downhill even though we had yeah, that, that 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 example that's an example of where scale is, is challenging yeah you know because you changed the dynamic yeah which you had to to grow yeah but the dynamic may not have been the right fit yeah and then what happens is everything gets i'll give you a very because i know you've got a question yeah no there. no but it's, it's but just interesting to the other the other thing i see that that's usually a very big mistake in startup is when you start to hire expensive people mm. and a lot of people sort of get this wrong and they'll, they'll say, oh, the first person I need to hire is a, is a salesperson, you know, a, a hunter, if you like, who's got yeah. a great black book and they can call people. It depends on the industry, of course, but in, in B2B, that's the thing. And I've seen so many of those fail. And if you get a failure like that, like, A, you've got to get rid of someone who's quite high profile in the business. It can take you back six months. And yeah. if you're going into that sort of early stage of startup where cash flow is really tight, the business is closed by getting one hiring decision wrong. Yeah. So this is why it's so. There are other strat- strategies I talk around how you, don't you do it differently and you do it in a way which works if the business grows but that's the sort of thing that you know back to the definition of scale that's why it, it takes a different type of identity and a different skill set mindset and i think that's where amy and i work well together because we're amy's a little bit more structured than i am uh, as you can see with her notes and everything whereas i'm, I'm just <laughs> spitball it off but we're both very good at presenting and we like to talk and we like to communicate with people and and get that message out there. But where we do probably struggle is is putting the process together and, and keeping it consistent and yeah. the management in the background. We're not as strong yeah. together. You've got a bit more strength in that than I have, but that's kind of where we need to probably look at having someone in the background as well if we want to take it that little bit further. But we know what we want now, and we've always wanted that lifestyle. With the Property Vault, it's always been a, a lifestyle type of business, not a big scale up. We're not looking to scale it massively. We just want to be able to put an online course together that could fit into any model. It could actually be white papered, if you like, white boxed uh, to, to to other property yeah, cool. uh, training companies. So that's kind of where we were, where we where we're at with it. But I do see it from that management point of view. It, it's it's mine was very difficult in the building industry, definitely. Yeah. What would you say, Nick, are the key indicators of knowing when to scale up? Yeah, so there's a couple. Of, there's two different concepts here, so I may contradict it, but I'll hopefully make the point. 
Um, you've got to start to build the bench early and you've got to leverage um, low value tasks as soon as you can. So again, you know, this is not an uncommon thing. I think Rob, Rob Moore talks about it too. You've got to start to bring that admin piece in straight away. Yeah. So even if you're one person, you know, I've, I've got a couple of different VAs now. I've got, you know, I leverage everything to agencies where I can. The costs are actually quite effective because it allows me to focus on the things I'm good at, which is, you know, obviously helping people with their businesses and mm -hmm. doing the content that I'm doing. So, so you, the answer to your question is you start scaling from the beginning by leveraging, but it doesn't feel like scale up. But you start to employ people when you start to, when you can actually afford to drive it through the cash flow. Yeah. So I'm always a big believer in the profit first philosophy, including the book, which is a great book to read. Yeah. Because again, lots of people get confused in these areas and they start to make decisions that they can't afford to make. So, so for me, it's, you do it quite early, you bring in lower level um, cost-based employees first, or you leverage them out and have them as freelancers or outsourced, or outsourced until it makes sense to start to make the more permanent hires. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's usually based on cash flow and based on um, when you're starting to get all those other jobs and those other tasks being done anyway. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so there's not a, every business is different, so you can't say it's so at this point. What yeah. do you mean by profit first? What are you, just for, so, our, for our listeners? Yeah, so profit first, um, I forget the author, but we can put it into the show notes, but it's a fantastic book. There's two books I, I talk about, the playbook, the playbook of Scale Up, and that's Traction by Gino Wickman and Profit First. And the mm -hmm. reason they're both excellent is because the entrepreneurial operating system from uh, Traction is just a really simple model that you should you can put into any business, particularly smaller businesses going through that startup scale up, mm. which gives you the metrics and it gives you, you'd have to think about it, right? So you can apply it to your business, you can you know, have your culture in, it's a really nice way of doing it. Mm. Profit first is essentially in the same way, you know, people say you should pay yourself first. We can kind of get into that a bit today as well. It's the same concept in, in the business side of it. So you're making decisions which are not, risky to the point where you're getting to you know you're, you're starting to struggle to be able to pay you know your outgoings mm. and lots of businesses lots of tech businesses don't become profitable for years and i don't personally invest in any of those businesses i buy really solid businesses that have got good ebitda so good profit performance yeah. that i know i can do something with and not many people um agree with that strategy because everyone likes this idea of the next amazon or the next yeah, facebook yeah, yeah. But you know what? My belief is. Well, they just hedging their bets, really, on that sort of stuff. Well, if you're in if you're in the VC world, venture capital world, you know you'll go and invest in these technology businesses, and you don't really care if 99 out of 100 go bust, right? Because you know it's a speculative bet. You just want one. Yeah. They call it a unicorn, a billion, yeah. a billion, billion dollar or billion pounds exit. Whereas I I like businesses that are profitable from. The, all the way through. So it doesn't mean that you're taking heaps of cash out and spending it, but you're investing it back in the business. You've always got your cash flow under management and you're scaling sensibly because you're leveraging and you're not making huge bets until you feel you've got the capacity and the plan to do it. So you're going in and just sort of looking over the top of it all and making sure that it's all running, but it's still, but it's just increasing the, the, the systems and processes and just yeah, making first, it better. The first, thing, the first thing is always the cash flow. Yeah. Or you go into a business and you say, can this business survive? This is, this is when I was doing turnarounds. Mm. Um, and you'd be surprised how many bad decisions are made in businesses where they're not profitable or they're getting close to being not profitable um, because they haven't really gone through and looked at the most important um, allocations of those costs. Now, it sounds, you know, oh, boring finance, whatever. But if you've got cash flow working for you, it opens up freedom and choice. Mm. 
Yeah, and that's the first thing. Then you start thinking about the commercial engineering. So I always say, if, you, if you've got the cash flow working and then you've got the proposition, the marketing, the sales working well, and you've got revenue coming in, so that drives the cash flow, then you can start to get into some of the more clever things around you know, the operational gearing of the business and that sort of stuff. But they're the, they're the things to focus on first. Okay. Brilliant. Cool. And in property, what have you done, Nick? What, what sort of... Have you got your own portfolio? Or properties, you... <laughs> properties this, is, this is where you guys can coach me. <laughs> Do you know, okay, so um, I'll, I'll talk to you. I think this will be quite interesting for people here. I, I talk about things like horizontal and vertical income streams. So I'll answer the question on property. So I've had um, a small property portfolio before. Um, we consolidated that all together to buy our house, which is probably not the smartest move from a... A, um, As in your own property, yeah, your own yeah. Residence. So we, we, we've yeah, got okay. we, we live in a, in a in a very old grade two house, um, but we we bought it all together to buy that house. Um, so property for me is absolutely on my list. In fact, I'm part of a program at the moment, one of my coaching programs. I'm in part of my own personal development where one of the goals is you have to buy an investment property within the twelve months of the program. It's forced on you. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I know. Um, what are the repercussions if you don't? I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> well, one of them is. Um, Cold showers for a week. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm joking. Getting up at 4:30 a.m. Like, yeah, you got to video them to prove you're doing it. <laughs> you do. No, there, there, there's a program. I'm um, so basically um, a few a few weeks back, I had a guy called Rock Thomas come on my podcast, and he's considered. He calls himself a, um, a whole life success um, expert, but actually, in, in reality, he's he's sold businesses for hundreds of millions, and now he's massively into sort of helping others with personal and professional development. So he's got a program called M1, which is a 52-week program. And For a year. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's... No, 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 you mean no, no. It's, it's a, it, I mean 52-week program. Okay. Yeah, and I'll explain No why. break. Every week, every week, you have to agree a task that you're going to get done for the week. You have, you have a call with your pod every single week. Wow. You have a celebration and you have a consequence. Okay. Okay, and, and some of these things. But the, the thing that's interesting about it is the first focus... Before anything else, people say, oh, you know, is your health important? Is a, you know, um, health, physical, all those sort of things. The first focus on this program is financial freedom, right? And this is where the concept of horizontal and vertical income streams come through. So I'll explain it. I think people will understand this, but they may not call it this. And also, can you define what they define as financial freedom? Because I, I hear it a lot, and it's actually very, can be seen as different. Yeah, and it's glamorised quite a lot as well. Yeah, everything, the program, the program is somewhat militant and there is actually quite a lot of people from the military in it because I think they like the structure. So it is, that's why I wasn't joking about the 52 weeks. Yeah, Yeah, so so financial freedom in the context of this is 100% or more of your outgoings paid for by income that you do not have to go and do anything on a daily basis to earn. Yeah, okay. So that's what they call a horizontal income stream. Yeah. A vertical is your job. So if you're going out there and you're actually trading time for, for money, money yeah. that's vertical. That's vertical. Horizontal is exactly what you guys do. Mm-hmm. So if you've yeah. got if you've got I don't know, twenty properties and that income, let's say you're outgoing to ten thousand a month, you know, and that's what you need to do everything and talk about how you invest that. There's a quite an interesting structure, then you would be considered financially free. Right. Yeah, because you don't actually have to work. To to yeah, you've got a bit of over, uh, yeah, and of course, so that, that in the program I'm doing, that's called a hundred percenter, but there are people who are at two hundred percent, three hundred percent, you wow. know, crazy, you know, hundred and over. One guy the other day was one hundred and forty three. He was managing to save and invest out of out of the various things he's doing, um, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year, because he managed to build the structure around that. 
Well, and then he was what compounding that and reuse yeah. then reinvesting it. Yeah. So are you wow. saying that some people do this more than once? This fifty-two weeker. Or you don't need to. No, that's um, it. I, I think I think out of I forget the number, but there's been forty-three millionaires created since Rock launched the program. And how many people have, have gone into? Not heaps, because it's it's no. a very involving program. It's okay. not a cheap program either. But back to the whole idea of investing in yourself. Yeah. You know, and and for me, I'm doing it partly for a couple of reasons. I'm doing it because I'm helping Rock now with his business anyway. So I'm doing it. I'm actually going in there and actually looking at the program. But this stuff I learned. I mean, I I did a budget the other day, and I'll share this a bit for our listeners because I think it's quite interesting. There's some learnings from it, and it scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Because mm. I realised that you know I'm I, I've got you know I swap to buy stuff you know like cars and all oh that well you did an income statement. Well, I do. Like I do. Income and expenses. Yeah, I worked yeah, yeah. out, but under a structure that, yeah, yeah. that we're told to um, use, basically. Yeah. If everyone's thinking this is really weird, right? <laughs> no, it's actually no, it's really, really interesting because it's, it's it's everything that we would uh, the, the the conference that we were speaking at. That's pretty much what it was all about. It was you so know, it was a wealth conference. Well, was it? Yeah. yeah, it was all about yeah. financial freedom. It was all about knowing the difference between your income statement and your balance sheet and, yeah. and how to build assets and, and all that It'll sort of stuff. It'll be very similar sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, Probably just not quite as intense as well, that. I think the, but I like the philosophy, like, you know, we were saying beforehand that, you know, people go on courses. I mean, I'm a massive advocate in investing in yourself in lots of yeah. ways of saying, but people go on this thing, they don't take action. The thing about the M1 program and other programs and stuff that you guys do, you were saying yeah. beforehand, is it actually, in whatever way you do it, it forces you to be able to take action to get the result. Yeah. And that's what I like about it. But this, um, let me share this with, with our listeners. I haven't said this on, on my podcast either, so it'd be quite interesting. So, so how do you create that financial freedom piece? Well, you've got to first do an assessment of where you are. So this is what I did. Cringing as I did it. <laughs> and so the principle is it's, it's called six wallets or six bank accounts. I think it's been used before, but I'll explain it. So first thing you do is you work out you know, obviously how much you earn and then how much tax is coming out. So it's your net income. Yeah. And then the principle is it's a, it's rules, it's a system, is that 50% of your net income should be used for your necessities. So that's your mortgage, it's your food, it's your transport, those sort of things. Now, when I did this, of course, I was well over the 50%. I think the majority are 85%. I think that's yeah. what the average is. There you go. Yeah. So, so I was, you know, not quite there, but somewhere above, yeah. right? And then you've got five other buckets. So you've got 50% of your income going to necessities. And then you've got five other buckets, wallets, bank accounts, as it's called, where there's a 10% of what's remaining goes into each of those. Yeah. So the first one, which is a, it's a kind of Robert Kiyosaki and you know richest man in Babylon one, is pay yourself first. Yeah. Definitely. So take 10% out. And, and the Profit First book as well. Yeah. So I, I've got his author's name as well. Yeah. We it, it's, it's such great. a good book. But that's, you know, that's massive. When you think about it, it's not a lot of money, but that compounds over time back yeah. to that point. And that's, that's kind of your wealth creation um, bucket or wallet. So you've got that. Um, then you've got um, contingency. So that's essentially where if something goes wrong, someone gets sick, you know, if you're employed yeah. and lose your job, you've got, you know, they say to get to at least six months. Mm. You're saving 10% every month, but get to six months of what you need so your necessities are paid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the first bit. Then you've got um, a contribution, which is giving something back to others. And this is a weird one because people go, well, hold on, if I can't afford my you know, nice Ferrari out there, why should I be giving money to someone and interestingly, if you believe in that the psychology of abundance, and you know it feels good when you give, yeah. that just by doing that process in whatever way you to do, I mean, I do it. I, I give to a couple of different foundations around youth suicide and a few other bits and entrepreneurship in in developing countries, and I do that through my business and personally because I know it's giving back, but also it's changing my psychology. Yeah, so that piece. Brilliant. So that then the um, then you get to the fun ones, I think. So the 
The next one is play. So that's essentially, you know, just go and blow it on whatever you want. Yeah, so if you want to go and do a crazy weekend away somewhere, then you've already saved that money. That's what it's for. And then the last one's education, so personal development. I think it's brilliant. And I think the most important thing with all of these different wallets is that when you've got your contingency, you then have headspace. And then the headspace clears up for you to then take on the information that you're learning in your education. And then you're applying that information. Mm. What is it that they say that the knowledge will make you clever, but if you apply it, you'll be what you're wise. Absolutely. I think that that's a concept. Mm. And that's what we do. And that's what I subscribe to. Both those books you mentioned earlier with uh, Traction and Profit First, I listen to them both on Audible. And I need to go and buy those books because there's so much yeah. information in there. I need to see the words and, and get them on I paper. I think it was, our, it was our joint friend, Catherine Morgan, who had yeah. a, I think she had Profit First and she had like literally all these <laughs> post-it notes and yeah. the other thing. Brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. Sounds like your book. Yeah. No, I, I, it's great. I just write loads of notes. But again, with the with the contribution, totally subscribe to that because if you're giving, you are receiving. And yes. it's that's the way the world works for everything. You have like that to and fro, the black mm. and white. It's, yeah. you can't have pain without pleasure it's yeah, everything it's is balanced, like that yeah. And I think yeah. You, yeah. So I like that that's good that's so the master, essentially I mean we've, what we're talking about is the mastery of the mundane those everyday habits and it may it's not sexy is it but it really works yeah and it's the same with property when we're talking about process and the, the, pro, the process is where you make your profit because yeah. it is all about mastering those everyday habits that make things just so process driven talk about the amazon the systemization of the businesses that is happening now and when you're looking for a business you need to have that cash flow you need to have that those systems in place people are great obviously you're buying into the people as well but it's got to have a good model well, if you sell it. a business so back to if i put my private equity hat on for a second so a yeah. lot of the people are wanting to exactly when you sell a house and you create that capital event so the business you know the reason i do investment in businesses and the reason people start and scale is they want to sell them usually sometimes mm. it's a lifestyle business and they yeah. just want to kind of have income <laughs> but lots of people want to get to that point where they can create value retirement money or whatever they want to call it and um there are four things. There's sort of three and a half, but, but if you're pitching to um, sell your business, the first thing in, in order is the financials, of course, and that's, guess what the most important thing is? Cash flow and, and profit, yeah. right? Yeah. By far. Sometimes businesses, technology businesses, will sell just purely because the, the product is good. But mm-hmm. my view is it's, it's about the financials. Then you've got the proposition of the product. So is it unique? Is it great? Does it solve a problem for someone? And aligned to that, you can kind of get, you know, what's the customer list like? So has it got, if it's a consumer product, does it have lots of customers? If it's a B2B, has it got like brand names and referability? Mm. And then the fourth one is people, mm. you know, and more often than not, you mentioned Dragon's Den beforehand. Yeah. It's the people. I, I can say yeah. so many times, the, the product, there might be issues with the product, the proposition, the financials, but oh, we really like that person. Yeah. yeah. And, and deal, I've seen that. I've seen tens of million, you know, dollar pound deals done just because of that. The emotion comes in. Mm. And, and that's where in property, we find people who are coming out and they're networking. They're generous with their time. They're generous with their knowledge because they're just that type of person. And that's why we really get on in property with a lot of people is because the, it's a weird industry. I don't know if it's the same in other industries because I've, I've mostly worked in property. Definitely not in like business networking and stuff. You know, people just want to be there because they want to make they want to make money and they want to sell their stuff. Yeah. But property is totally different. It's great, and I think that's. How did you guys? How did you guys both get in? I mean, obviously, you came from the building side of it, but yeah. what was what was your background on that? Um, I became an accidental landlord when we went to buy a new property, and we went to exchange, and the buyers of our house 
hadn't weren't ready at all but we really needed to exchange on that date so our solicitor suggested that we let to buy so we became accidental landlords overnight and then it I built my own house we moved to a property it needed a lot of work took three years um, with two small children that sort of whole grand design story that you see yeah, yeah that was that was definitely me um, and that was a fantastic process and I just loved the actual building and creating of, of property. Uh, but I was at home with the children for 12 years and I was always trying to think of something that I could do as a business and never quite got there um, so that I wouldn't compromise on, on sort of not being with the children but also bringing in an income. And it had been staring me in the face. I had a rental property already and I was working on it with a property company. Brexit came. And they asked me to reduce my days. And I was like, yeah, no worries. Because just so they knew what was going to happen with assist, with the company. I'm glad I didn't wait for them to make to find out what Brexit was going to mean for that company. Because that would be three years I'd still be waiting there. Um, but I saw this um, advert in, on the paper. And it was how to make money at, at property auctions for a seminar. And I went to this seminar and that was it. I went, had got educated in property. And then I just went off and I was like, this is it. And built a portfolio of properties. That's awesome. So, did, you, did you do a similar thing in terms of the education side? Was yeah, that's where you had to pivot into what you do now. Yeah, because I was I was in the building game because my dad was doing flips back in two thousand and four um, yeah. in the South East London, and it was quite easy to do it back then because you could remortgage same day and all sorts of stuff, uh, all sorts of stupid. Hence why we probably went into a global recession because they were all doing it. But um, yeah, I didn't really know much about the financial stuff, and and then I was in I was working in the building industry, and and it just kind of made sense for me to pivot into that really into yeah. the property stuff. It was always something I wanted to do. Uh, I always wanted to just develop really and and sell, but seeing what my dad and my uncle went through, I realised that you do need to keep and hold some of that stuff for protection and money and etc. Um, so yeah, I just it was actually pretty much the same sort of story. It was a different company, but my mate James had seen an advert in the Metro going into London, and I'd seen an advert on Facebook a pop up, and it was the same company. So it was, and I was reading a lot of stuff through Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. So obviously the algorithms were working back then as well for for, for the Facebook stuff because yeah I. I I was looking online and reading a lot more about his stuff. And yeah, just, your reticular activation system is aware. Yeah. It suddenly just lets that filter in that one time when you're not, you don't yeah. even realise you're looking for do it. You, do you know I reflect on those? So it's so back to kind of why we're having the conversation because I think you you think about your peer group and you think about your network and the way you told the story in terms of how you've gotten to is very similar to me. So mm-hmm. I, I, I first thing I did was call someone, call up a mate, and sort of you know who, who had done some things that I wanted to model, if you like, because he, mm-hmm. he retired when he was twenty eight. And then he pointed me into some education things, but mm. I, I had a psychology around it. I think that I needed to, I, I, I needed to change back to that identity point. And I think the reason that we kind of all kind of connect, if you like, is we've actually all done the same thing, mm. you know. And we continue to do the same thing because we're continually trying to improve to, you know, yeah. create, you know, the best versions of ourselves, yeah. if you like. And and that's a massive thing. I think if anyone's listening to this and they're struggling, one of the first things I always suggest to people is just go out there and change your environment, change your network. Try try and get around you know people who are thinking in the same way as you, and everything starts to change. Definitely, and yeah, that's we can't, exactly, can't advocate that enough to get exactly where change the people. Right. And I think yeah. look at who the people are that you spend the most time with right now, and what mm. value you're getting from them, and are they aligned to what what you wanted to do and who you want to become? Because if they're not, then you need to go out and find people who yeah. will who will make those changes. I, mean, I did exactly the same thing. I mean, I I strongly. 
advise people to go and network like and try and, and lots of different networks and see which one fits for you mm. because I did a lot of business networking when I was a building contractor and although I thought it was great because I learned a lot it was my first experience of it all but I learned a lot I mean you know this was 2006 7 8 the kind of time that no, it was 2008 sorry when I started networking so over 10 years ago and I was sitting in a room full of like 10 people and I had to do a 60 second pitch and I used to you know I petrified I couldn't eat my breakfast I struggled to sleep the night before because I had to stand up and pitch in front of these people that I didn't really know you know now I'm doing 250 so I mean I did the KPI one for like 10-15 minutes where I was in front of sort of six, 700 people doing a doing a talk, talk in front of them quick is that what I can do? yeah if, 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 you, <laughs> if you get picked see ah okay fine um, yeah. but, but the whole point of the reason I was saying about networking is I realised that the people in that room were good and I learned stuff from them, but it, I needed something more. And that's when I went and looked for it and who could provide it. And my dad gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And yeah, then I went on book. his website and then I got some coaching from some of their online guys. And they were like, well, go and property, go and you're into property, you want to get into property and you like your business. So why don't you go and do some property networking? I was like, there's no such thing as property networking. <laughs> there is literally, like, I've never heard of it. I said, there's loads of business stuff. No, there'll be something. So your action point this week is to go and find a product. And I found like literally thousands of them. And there was one just down the road from from where I lived. Wow. So, and then I went to that and there was like 50, 60, 70, 80 people every month come turning up. And it was like, wow, this is awesome. And again, as we uh, said earlier, that property industry, people are really cool with their time. I've got loads of help, like people that are really successful just saying, and I still see some of those people now. So those relationships have been formed, but you take yourself into a different environment and it it's just changes. So, I it find it changes. so frustrating that all this world was going on while I was trying to rack my brains at my kitchen table, <laughs> trying to think of a business that would work. And this whole sort of alternative world was happening around me. And it was only when I went back to work after 12 years out of the workforce and I went into a Waterstones and I saw the personal development shelves had swollen as well. There was like so much yeah. there. And that was it. That was, I, was, I was off. Yeah, it didn't mean you had to read all of them like, yeah, within does, a yeah. year. <laughs> they they yeah. reckon the knowledge-based industry is going to be a billion um, US a day I in see. revenue soon. Yeah. That's how far. It's one of the fastest-growing mm -hmm. information-based businesses are the fastest growing because people are, back to your point around, you know, the schooling versus education. Mm. You know, people aren't getting, if you, if you go out there and you get very specific um, information about something that's going to help you, which is yeah. probably what we're talking about, then you get a really good mentor around that or you go to some programs and you, and you build them there. Where there is a secret kind of um, formula here, not that secret, but it is to many people, of how you start to, you know, create this kind of achievement and fulfillment. You know, and, and it's these these things, these concepts. Because I found that I learned, I've learned in the last probably three years by doing what I've been doing. I've learned more than I've learned in my whole career mm. of being in you know good businesses. I get that. I mean, we 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 are now exposed to more information in one day than people in the 400 years ago had in their entire lifetime. Yeah, which is you know is insane, and our brains are taking on that as easily which scares you because the capacity of the brain clearly is not being used as much as but it I think can that's be. where there's that false, again, going back to that false, uh, I suppose, glamorization of what, what people would expect from getting into a business or getting into property, especially property. I mean, someone said it last night, it was like the expectation of, uh, of what they want with reality to what actually it is, is so far apart 
that when they get into it and they don't go the way they want it to, they kind of give up. Well, that's like people who go to the gym. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly start, start the gym. Ask you, I'm really curious because this comes yeah. up a little bit. So, so a lot of the, um, so there are different people on Scalby Business at different stages. So you have got some who are, you know, they've got very, very successful businesses, but they've got a huge ambition, you know, create mm-hmm. empires, as you call it. A lot of, it hasn't come up heaps, but it has come up around property investment as a, mm. as a wealth creation strategy. So one of the things I talked about recently was multiple streams of income. Mm. And how can you, if some people sort of say you should focus on one, but other people say do more. If you were advising someone who, who wants to go into property investment in that side, mm. what's the first thing you would advise them to do? What's their exit? Is the is the first thing. So why why property? Let's assume. So let's assume that they they've got a business that's successful. Yeah. But similar to when you asked me the question about what your property portfolio like. So, so I, go, I, I mean I go I go into I go more deeper. I go into the more like I I go more into who they are and what their position is to understand what it is they're trying to create. Okay. To then understand what the exit is after that. So yeah. Yeah. You want to know what, what most of the people we're working with. And not necessarily in that position all the time. Like they, they don't always have the money, but they've been sold the dream of becoming financially free. But then they bought into this course or whatever, and they've got no money. So it's then then you've got to restructure that whole mindset and understanding of what what your position is and how you then go into. Property. So you're starting with the end in mind. Like, that, that's yeah, what I'm saying was, about what's the exit. Like, if it was why, me, because yeah. I can explain. So for me, as we as we spoke about with the horizontal um, incomes. Yeah. It, and, and I have to buy buy a place. So as I said, I've had property portfolio before, nothing nothing extensive. For me, it's about just extenuating those lines of income. Yeah. So so for me, it's it's not probably as specific as you would probably like the answer to be, but I'd like to have you know some rental income coming through. It's not about it's not really about buying and flipping them or any of that. It's more about just having. Yeah. So for then, if that's you, if if you were coming to me with that, and that's that conversation we were sitting having, I'd be saying right, okay. So what's what's important to you is it is is it is it a lower return and capital growth, or is it more capital growth? Uh, sorry, more cash flow than capital growth. How long do you want to leave your money? Okay, what returns okay. do you want? Um, is it is it multiple multiple rooms you want? Is it individual units? Is it developments? Is it HMO? So I'd be asking the questions of what is it? Your, what's your expectation? With ideally, ideally, I'd like to have a, a portfolio of lots of lots of different properties, giving me massive amounts of income and not putting any money into it. <laughs> exactly. so the, well, that's possible, the I but it takes what, time. <laughs> okay, well, so I don't the, Yeah, it's the in, reason in, why I say what's the exit is because um, what Dan was saying, but for me, have, having got a family, it's also how is that going to be left as a legacy? So I want okay. to know what the exit is. So start with the end in mind in terms of your life. So yeah. it, because if you're going to start this portfolio, how is that going to be unraveled? for sort of legacy inheritance tax and various things. So it's starting up with a proper right. structure. So it would be speaking to someone who knows all of your other tax um, and your business structures to then push it into the most effective model for you um, and then work backwards. So it's not as easy as saying, just go and start getting out no, there. No, this is the thing, because it has come up. So I've And it's a lot harder now because tax has changed massively in the property industry. Yeah. Right. So you know you can't get more, you can't get your mortgage relief at, um, or soon you won't be able to get it at all. But section um, twenty four came in for people who own property in the personal names, as opposed. So that's why a lot of people then transitioned to buying property within a company, a limited company. Right. Yeah. So the structure. So so the cash both, flow would change because yeah. the mortgage, the so the interest only, for example, mortgage that you've got on a buy to let, 
won't be you can't you can't put that against your costs now so that just it's just irrelevant uh, right. so it's based on then the turnover I understand it used to be when I had my, my, my yeah, investment yeah. properties before so, so it's the, changed it's yeah. changed a lot so so the first port of call that we talk to anyone about if they're getting into property and they're trying to go off and do it themselves is the first two people that you need to kind of talk, talk to in tandem is a, a really good tax advisor a property tax advisor not an accountant a tax advisor yeah. gone down that route before and a really good mortgage broker that you that, that can understand your position. It goes back to your position. What you're coming. If you've got a decent business and you've got excess cash that you want to compound and, and reinvest, then we just need to understand what your then tax position is to what it is you need to do. How to structure it? Do you buy it in a company or are you buying it cash? Because then the mortgage relief is irrelevant. So it could be personal. So, it, it, but we're not tax advisors. You just yeah, need to speak to someone that's that's qualified. No, to it's, do. I think because so there's a couple of people I've worked with um, who've got businesses that are starting to go. You know, they're starting to work, right? So they're, they're not worried about the business, so they can start to think a bit differently. They might be the ones that are, you know, they've got the general manager in there, for example. Mm. Yeah. And they're starting to look at diversification back to the multiple streams of income mm. through property. So yeah. I think that I think there'll be people on my my podcast that will probably think that's interesting. Um, and you know, definitely put your details yeah, on there. Yeah, so and the other out. thing to mention is that with property, it is blooming hard work. So it either has to be your passion or it has to fuel a passion. So it has to be that the income from it's going to fuel something that you're really passionate yeah, about. But if because, your passion is building multiple streams of income, yeah. <laughs> it's going to well, work. Yeah, I think, I think that's what it what it is. I think there's a piece there, like my, my passion is, is obviously building businesses yeah. and selling businesses. And there's, there's a, there are many similarities actually in terms of um, the, obviously the organic side of the things are different, but the actual method and what we're trying to achieve is the same. It's a bit like going in, like doing up a house and selling it. That's what you're doing with a business. Yeah. But um, I know people who are who have an interest in that type of thing still have an interest in property because it's just another business you know in some it is different. and it's not a hobby because that's what a lot of people get into property because yeah. they're, they're building this property business alongside their nine to five yeah and so it gets treated it has been historically treated as a hobby and it's not it's a business yeah. and it needs to be yeah. given the time that it deserves in that respect i totally get that yeah, yeah. i mean I totally we talk that. about we've got uh, what we call it the empty model because all properties are empty when you buy them yeah. so the, the 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 way it works is you're going to need some sort of experience within the team if it's not you someone you're going to need money you're going to need the, a property you're going to need time and then you're the driver so the wise you and then if you are coming into it say for example a business owner has got some excess profits so they want to compound and put into property they might not necessarily have the time or the education on what to buy and what's the right thing to do so they're looking really to work with someone that's probably got some experience and the time to find the property and then work with them to package it up. I mean, I don't, I, I like joint ventures are cool, but I think people jump into them far too quickly. Um, but if there was a business owner approaching me, for example, I'd be like, right, okay, what is it you're looking to do? Well, I haven't got any time, but I'm happy to put the money in. Then I'd package up a deal and then I'd manage that deal for them yeah, and, okay, and, and pass them that deal back so they've got the asset but I get it through my consultancy business. Now, if they're bringing a deal to me and I haven't got the money, but they just want to get some cash from it, I'd then buy the deal off them and do it myself. But I wouldn't necessarily joint venture with them because I just think... Well, it comes back to that point we said about scaling as well. So, yeah. you know, the, 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 the biggest issue with any type of scale is, is the fact that it's the nuances of the people coming together. So yeah. all partnerships are fraught yeah. with the risk yeah. of that not working. Yeah. yeah. And usually, as I said before, at the very beginning of this, you know, us chatting was, you know, making the wrong decision. Yeah. You know, on any level, it could be the investor level, it could be the hiring someone, it could be the partner level. That's usually where, certainly from my perspective, the businesses yeah. go wrong and it'd be the same, I'm sure, 
during the We've done a couple of podcasts on this already about joint ventures and a lot of people see it as a very quick fix to get into it if they haven't got the money or the experience yeah. and they but they don't look at the the risks that are associated with being sort of married with people in a business environment because that was interesting what you just said there yeah. about the a partnership you know about the risk but from the property side of things and what we see as amy's just said we see it the opposite way around they get into a partnership because of a relationship yeah and they've got a skill set or they get something from the partnership uh, which is reward ultimately they get a profit out of it but then they don't look at the risk or the responsibility in the background mm-hmm. so you're looking at it from more of a structured point of view that you're you know that there's going to be risk because it's a business and you understand the first question i ask yeah. but the in property if you're not that way inclined or a sophisticated investor or got a business or understand that stuff, yeah, they don't think about that side of it. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's the shiny object thing, isn't it? You see, you know, if you've got that situation where, let's say, you haven't got money, someone has, and yeah. you know, you've got the yeah. skill set and you come together and you think, actually, well, I, I need this because I can't do it without this person, yeah, yeah. Yeah. then you're going to be more motivated or making decisions emotionally, is probably the way yeah. to say it, as opposed to thinking about it rationally. And you do have to remove that emotion. Yeah, you have exactly. to remove that emotion from the whole property process. Cool. Well, listen, it has been so. So, just to just to reframe as we've been <laughs> rambling on, um, this is okay. What, there's a couple of things just to point out because I think we probably should close off. Otherwise, we're gonna be like, yeah, what are these guys? It's going to be like four People episodes. Are for us the like four hours. Or I think what's useful. I'm going to make it just a reflection on this. This is the sort of conversation that you know when you when you start to change your peer group and you start to network and you start to hang out with people who are doing different things. I mean, I've learned a lot just from this conversation on yeah, multiple too, levels, yeah. right? Well, I'd say, yeah. But this is the point I think of doing this as a as a joint podcast today was just to kind of show that you know if you're not doing this, if you're trying to go out there and do something, it doesn't actually even have to be about your business or your property. If you're trying to go out there and change something to improve yourself, whatever, the starting point is 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 changing your network and changing your environment. Yeah, yeah. definitely, one hundred. Absolutely. Subscribe to that. Yes. Yeah. So it's been and great. And talking of subscribing, I hope all your listeners will subscribe to the property board. <laughs> well, likewise. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and what we'll do is we'll put um, uh, our details on, on the various ones so you can reach out because I'm sure yeah. there are people on Scale Up Your Business who want to know more about the property side. Oh, it's a brilliant podcast. I listen to it every week. I love it. In fact, I've been buying books um, since <laughs> oh, you recommended them. Well. Do you know what? It's funny. It's funny. Yeah, I was going to say, I have, to, I have to start my own Amazon store soon. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> Definitely get a kickback. Yeah. Another, another horizontal. <laughs> Listen, thank you very much for your time. It's been great having you on Scope Your Business. And uh, I wish you all the best with your business and what you're yeah. doing in the future and, uh, and hanging out together and learning as much as we can from each other. Thanks, Nick. It's been great being with you as well. Yeah.